The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, on our big 11 debate today, we're asking, can Ireland remain neutral? Should Ireland be neutral? And what does neutrality actually mean? With recent revelations about RAF jets patrolling Irish skies and a secret covenant allowing it, is Ireland neutral in name only? Well, I'm joined by People Before Profit TD for Dublin South West, Paul Murphy, and by Senator and Security Analyst, uh, Dr. Tom Clonan. Good morning and welcome to you both. Um, We'll go to you first, Tom. You know, what is neutrality? What does it mean? Because we keep being told, say, by the likes of Simon Coveney and probably by Michal Martin, that we're not politically neutral, we're militarily neutral. No, we've never been politically neutral. And, uh, for example, during World War II, which we euphemistically referred to as the emergency, we were certainly aligned with the Allied powers and uh, cooperated with them in in, in very great measure. But did we tell anyone, though? Because we had Dev turning up to pay his respects to the dead Hitler well, I at think the it, end of the I, war. I, I think it was very clearly obvious, you know, to the Allied powers whose side we were on. And uh, in fact, the the Germans drew up a plan, Unternehmen Grun, to invade Ireland. And in response to that, Churchill and Eamon de Valera drew up a co- collaborative plan called Plan W, where Irish and British troops would fight together on the island. So we've never been politically neutral. My understanding of neutrality, and I've been in this space for 34 years as a soldier, as a journalist, as an academic, as uh, publishing in this area and uh, as, as a politician more recently, uh, my, my concern about neutrality is that we, we must remain militarily neutral. There is no advantage or benefit whatsoever to Ireland joining NATO. So that's my, my, my first position. However, you mentioned the Royal Air Force patrolling our airspace. That is an absolute undermining of our sovereign and neutral status. <clears throat> and I don't think that we can claim to be neutral whilst that is happening. You know, a NATO, one, one of the pr- premier NATO members patrolling our, our controlled airspace is, is uh, that's unacceptable. I don't think I have a row here then. Uh, Paul, you would surely go along with uh, Tom in that regard. I would, yeah. Um, I mean, I think we're living in a very dangerous world that is increasingly divided into two major blocks. On the one hand, China and uh, Russia and their allies, and on the other hand, NATO led by uh, the US and incorporating most of the European uh, Union states. And for me, military neutrality means that we don't participate in either of those uh, blocks. We reject the attempt, which is definitely underway by the establishment, to get us to take step by step in the direction of joining NATO. It's, it's a process. It isn't something that will happen overnight, but it's very clearly underway from, for a long time, the use of Shannon Airport by the US military, more than 3 million troops going through to the Middle East, participation in what's known as the Ukraine Contact Defence Group, which is a NATO alliance. It meets at NATO headquarters, either in uh, Brussels or in Germany. Um, sending troops to train soldiers, uh, to train uh, Ukrainian soldiers as part of a European militarization exercise. Uh, I, I think what's happening, and it's happening across Europe at different scale, but is that there's a, a big drive to militarization. I mean, if you look at the amount promised in increased spending in, in military spending across the European Union last year, it was over 200 billion. It was more than was spent in yeah, the entirety blame, of 2020. Can you blame them, given what's happening in Ukraine? I mean, you know, the domino theory, which used to be applied to uh, places uh, like Southeast Asia and South America, in which uh, America uh, had what they called, you know, some interest. Um, The domino theory there, 
when you're looking at Ukraine, if Ukraine falls, Poland falls, Moldova falls, Estonia falls, perhaps Finland falls, Sweden falls, do you know, can you blame them rearming? Well, I think what's happening is there's a pre-existing agenda in Ireland, in Sweden, in Finland, by the political establishments in those countries to get closer to and to join NATO. So they've taken the step in Sweden and Finland of applying to join NATO and are likely to, to fully join NATO. In Ireland, we're taking the kind of precursor steps to that. We're engaging in this bogus consultative forums. But the world doesn't get safer by NATO getting larger, the world actually gets more dangerous uh, and the potential for a regional conflict like in Ukraine to spill out of control into a global conflict or in relation to Taiwan is a very present danger. And Ireland, instead of going along with that militarism, being a voice for peace in the world, a consistent voice against all oppression, all invasions and so on. The the, the question of what happened in Ukraine, are are you saying that you know, NATO should not have got involved in and, and the various countries should not be involved at all in helping Ukraine to withstand its aggressive neighbour. Well, the, the first thing I say is obviously Putin should not have invaded Ukraine. Yeah, but what responsibility do you do? You stand lies, by. lies with Russia in terms of the invasion. You stand well, idly I, by. I think what Ireland should do is things that would actually provide more real assistance than using it to undermine neutrality. We should be shutting down the shadow banking system in the IFSC, which is used by Russian oligarchs, amongst others. We should be campaigning for the cancellation of the debt faced by people of Ukraine. In other words, we should be doing things to assist the Ukrainian people that don't ratchet up the interim period okay. tensions. Tom. Yeah, well, I think, you know, this is probably where myself and, and Paul are going to diverge. Um, so, you know, I, I welcome what NATO has done in re- relation to supporting Ukraine. And uh, absolutely, uh, Russia must withdraw. Putin must withdraw from every inch of Ukrainian territory right back to the borders prior to 2014. That's the that's the position. Um, and again, I, I don't disagree with the existence of NATO. The North Atlantic Treaty Organization has, broadly speaking, been in existence for, for quite some time. I, I recognise its utility. I recognise it as a legitimate, um, you know, pro-social organisation. For the most part, they have made mistakes, but I, I accept its existence. I'm just saying that there's no benefit to us by having membership of NATO. Okay, now and, and, I'll give you, and I'll give yeah. you an example. What, and, and this is probably, again, where I'm going to diverge with, with, uh, with, with Paul. In, in relation to military spending, the Commission on the Future of Defence Forces recommended three levels of ambition, one, two and three. I, I firmly believe that we should be at the most ambitious level of that uh, spending. We need to have a proper air force. We need to have aircraft that are capable of patrolling and keeping safe our airspace. We have 75% of all the air traffic between Europe Middle East, North Africa to the United States. In fact, we've one of the busiest air corridors in the world. We can't see into it. We can't patrol it. We can't keep it safe. So so So, this business of the RAF, we should not be using the RAF. So yeah, I'm not saying that I have a problem with the RAF, but they shouldn't be in our controlled airspace. We should be doing that ourselves. We're a sovereign, independent nation. We should have at least the minimum ambition to be able to keep our airspace safe. Similarly, with our naval service, uh, because of Operation Irini, we now only have two naval service vessels to patrol 15% 15% of the European Union's waters. That is 220 million maritime acres of ocean. And we're going to be the Saudi Arabia in terms of wind air energy in the future. We need to have a minimum investment there to be able to patrol and keep that safe and monitor it. Yeah, because we're going to need cables uh, to get the, the power back to land. And if they were disrupted, suddenly yeah, and, Ireland goes and sim- dark, and similarly given our dependence yeah, and similarly, So I think we're, we're, we're a little bit different. But my understanding of how an armed force works, Ireland has a unique voice in the world as a neutral state. And I'll give you an example. Recently, Sweden brokered a deal between 
the uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, Iran to get food and humanitarian aid into Yemen to help all of the hundreds of thousands of children who are on the point of death by malnutrition. The problem was the port getting into Yemen was heavily mined and the Saudis and the Iranians would not agree on any force to go in and demine the port until the proposal was made that a retired Irish army officer, an ordnance officer, would go in and oversee that project. And because we're a neutral state and because we don't belong to a military alliance, both Saudi and Tehran accepted that. So there's a real live example of the ways in which our neutral status gives us a unique voice and an opportunity to intervene positively in the world. My final point, the St. Petersburg's tasks there, that's the document that sets out the, the rationale and the reason for having a functioning military in anywhere in Europe. And the number one task is to assist humanitarian, man-made and natural crises. We're entering into a period of accelerating global climate change with a refugee crisis that goes with it. We need to have the human resources to be able to assist, intervene and deal with that. And that's what our naval service is doing down okay. in the Mediterranean, trying to help the hundreds and thousands of people who are, who are crossing the Mediterranean rubber dinghies, 14, 15 year old infants. That's what we're about. Joining NATO gives us, robs us of the choice of what conflicts we want to get involved in. We've made a choice about Ukraine. We support Ukraine and President Zelensky. Um, and, you know, we're aligned with NATO on that on that point, but we're not members of NATO. We don't have to okay, be. Okay, so, so your idea is, in diplomatic terms, we speak softly, uh, but we have a big stick. We and should we spend be proud. On that big stick. Yeah, we should be proud of our neutral status. You know, Austria is very, very proud of its neutral status. So should we, and we should be ambitious about it. Ireland has the capacity with our incredible diaspora and our history, and our stated desire to end imperial wars in our proclamation of independence and in our constitution. We can be a diplomatic superpower. Okay. And if we join NATO, we become less than, you know, 0.2% of its strength. We're robbed of choice. And the very people in Irish society who are calling out for this, the most vocal academics and politicians are people who have never heard a shot fired of an, an arm in anger, who will never wear a uniform and most likely oh. neither will their children. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I think um, that is the road we're, we're going on. And we, we again... The government will say, well, we're not suggesting joining NATO. Of course they're not. Me and Tom were chatting outside and if but Ireland just to applied clarify, to, yes. if Ireland was located where Finland is yes. located, would Ireland be joining NATO? I think the government would certainly be trying no, but to. Would you but you no, I absolutely would be against it. Why? NATO, because no, NATO aren't the good guys. No, no, NATO, it's not that we have a world divided into good guys and bad guys. We've two you sets of bad guys. to be invaded mm -hmm. by Russia, who, after all, did steal a big chunk of Finland uh, in, in the war between the Finns and the, uh, the Russians. They stole a chunk already. They have ambitions, obviously, to try and uh, get all of it. If you were Finland, if, if Ireland was Finland and you were located there, you say you would not join... What would you no, do to protect yourself? No, because yourself? joining one gang of bad bullies in the world is, is no solution. I mean, let's, you know, the majority of dictatorships in the world are militarily supported, given free arms and so on by the US, right? They're not the good guys. You, they were backing the Saudis in terms of the war on Yemen, responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths. They're responsible for the deaths of millions of people in the Middle East. So Russia are clearly the bad guys. China are the bad guys, but so is US imperialism and, so you and NATO. So you leave yourself we, we should be, vulnerable. We should not be aligned with any any of these But you uh, would leave powers. yourself vulnerable if but you were the, literally on the border with Russia and it 
it was run by uh, but I, I, an imperialist like like Putin, you would just, just say, yeah, just we a, roll over. Just as Thank I would you. say to the people of Cuba, it would be a mistake to line up with China or Russian imperialism as an attempt to defend yourself from the US. It's better to have a principled stance against mm. oppression, against imperialism, be consistent in calling those things uh, but, out. By the way, th- there was a time when Aeroflot used to regularly use uh, Shannon mm-hmm. to service its flights to Cuba and South America. And Russian troops used to transit through uh, Shannon on their way to, just to uh, Africa. Just <clears throat> to try and level the playing yeah. pitch yeah. a yeah. little but, bit. But, I, but just say, Pat, look, again, you know, myself and Paul agree on one thing, that we should not be members of NATO, but I don't believe that NATO is the bad guy, per se. I think, like like any organisation or institution, they've made, they've made mistakes, there have been missteps, but I would prefer Pax Americana Pax to, to Pax Russo or Pax China. Absolutely. I mean, the, we, you know, and this century... But we don't have to make that choice. Well, sure, that's, we can, we, yeah, like and that's why, and that's King why, or yeah, and that's, we say, and that's why I'm saying that, you know, we there is no benefit to us at the moment of, of joining NATO. And as to your question, you know, if we were Finland, like at the moment, uh, part of this island is in NATO. There are six counties in NATO. And we have brokered a deal with our with our partners in the UK, the Good Friday Agreement, that allows for... At, at a some point in the future, when the majority in Northern Ireland wish for 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 us to have an all island solution, and we're going to have to tease out what the administration of justice, defence, and intelligence and security will look like, and I think this is an op- that, that's the conversation we should be having. In relation to the consultative forum that the that the Tanishta has launched, I was just saying to Paul this morning, the submissions link on the Department of Foreign Affairs website is dead. You can't make a submission. We don't know who the speakers are. A journalist announced in the Sunday Times on on, on yesterday or Sunday that uh, he was participating in it. I don't know who the speakers are or by what mechanism experts will be selected to 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 speak at this thing. So. I, I have deep reservations about this so-called consultative forum. You can't make a submission to it. We don't know who the speakers are. We don't know by what mechanism they're being invited to speak. I'd love to speak at it, but I don't. I, I don't know how to offer my services. Or, and there are people uh, in Ireland who have considerable expertise, both in the academic and the professional sphere. We have a, a community of defence intellectuals. Uh, but, you know, are they being consulted or who are the speakers okay. going to be? I, I want to go back uh, to, to you, Paul, about uh, policing our skies, patrolling mm-hmm. our skies. What do we do? Well, first, you don't want yeah. to spend any, any more on military equipment, whether it's in the air or on the sea. So how do we patrol our skies or should we patrol our skies? The cables carrying all yeah. the data, which is very important, and the power that will come from the wind. Uh, should we yeah. have the capability to, to patrol those and safeguard them? Yeah, so... It, First thing is, this is a separate but related question to the issue of neutrality. One can be in favour of neutrality and be in favour of a big increase in military spending, or one can be against neutrality and still in favour, or and vice versa, right? But I, I do think they are related in the sense that those that are beating the drum for increased military spending are mostly doing so with a view to that being a step that we're taking towards okay, NATO membership. But, but so in the meantime, for, our skies, our seas, mm-hmm. what, what would you do? Were you to be in power and, yeah. you know, a minister with responsibility for either finance or defence, what would you do? So would you spend the money? Ireland spends about a billion euros a year on its military and the US spends 800 billion. China spends about 200 billion, Russia about 70 billion, UK about 60 billion. It is not possible 
for a country the size of Ireland to develop a military of sufficient size to be any significant deterrence, unless you go down the road of nuclear, which I definitely think we shouldn't do. So I'm fundamentally quite pragmatic about this. I mean, to buy one fighter jet that is recommended in this high-level report, uh, a Saab Gripen, is worth, it's about 100 million euros. One one fighter jet isn't worth much to you. A squadron of 12, again, isn't worth much to you. So you need to make choices. One fighter jet, that's 350 homes. 12 fighter jets, that's about 4,000 homes. And I think given the crisis that we face now, instead of spending billions, talking about 3 billion a year is what the target, which coincidentally is the same amount that you need to be spending to be able to apply for membership of NATO. I don't think we should be making those choices now when we have all these other crises yeah, but we face. I, I mean, but that's if you see Ireland's defence exclusively in the context of a of a ground invasion by a superpower. That's, that's you know, I mean, we have been invaded. No, but I mean, the we, idea no, of patrolling yeah, our no, skies but, with but, one jet. Yeah, no, I, look, I disagree with that, you know, it, this level of ambition, if we were to buy sufficient number of Gripen fighter jets to secure our airspace, if we were to invest as level of ambition, you know, the, the most ambitious level of ambition to have proper maritime um, security and our ground forces to pay them properly, give them a living wage, treat them with dignity, our sailors, our soldiers and our aircrew, then we can address the tasks such as set out by the St. Petersburg's task, which are basic. Can we deal with a natural or humanitarian disaster? We had an explosion in Donegal the other day, tragic. Amongst the first on the scene were the uh, Defence Forces Ordnance Explosive uh, Groups. You know, we need a properly funded properly resourced defence forces to, car- to to exist no, as a I sovereign mean, as state. Paul, like, for Paul example, like even, even getting our, our, our citizens home from Sudan. You know, we need that heavy lift capability because our growing diaspora and our growing new citizenship means that we're going to have multiple reoccurrences of this as, uh, consistent with accelerating climate change as well. So, we, you know, just because we're not part of Europe's neighbourhood watch in NATO doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a, ha- a home alarm system. You know, no, no, you, we, s- at the you said at the beginning that our link, neutrali- and that's disgraceful. Our neutrality is compromised by the fact that we have this deal with the RAF. Um, when there's a, a hurricane that hits, say, southern England or northern Ireland or whatever, our ESB crews are often deployed. In other words, a neighbourly thing to do. Why can't we view the protection of our skies from... Yeah, people who, yeah, who do very, not wish very, very us good well. Point because it's, you just it's, call them up and yeah, say, but look, it's lads, not, no, but it's not, it's, we don't have the Yeah, the but it's not, an, it's not an emergency response. And of course, we, our Air Corps has gone up to Northern Ireland to help put out gorse fires. Yeah. And that's in an emergency situation. And it's great to be able to do that. And we should see more of that cooperation. But this isn't about an emergency situation. This is the routine monitoring and keeping safe of our airspace. And, you know, we only know that there are Russian aircraft in our controlled airspace because uh, Britain chooses to tell us. Otherwise, we don't know. And, you know, again, 75% of all the air traffic into Europe goes through our air corridor. We have Russian aircraft in our airspace flying with no transponders on, which is the equivalent of driving the wrong way down the motorway with your light switched off. It's extremely dangerous. And and we need to be able to look after that ourselves. So we have a a squadron of 12 uh, Griffins or F-16s or whatever we can afford. And, you know, they come with a, a huge ground crew to keep them all in the air and training of pilots and so on. So we find a Ruski in the sky. What do we do? Shoot well, him down? Uh, uh, no, but at least we know he's there or she's there and we can escort would, them. Would, would not a more sophisticated radar system not tell us that anyway? Yeah, but you can't You can't meaningfully intervene. Look, it's, what, it's, it's, it's about... what are we to but, do? No, do but it's about that point of intervention. Supposing we discover 
that, and if this has happened in other controlled airspace, supposing we find an aircraft that's behaving dangerously, we have to be able to intervene meaningfully. It takes seconds, minutes to, to make these decisions. Under the current arrangements, somebody in Westminster has to liaise with somebody in Leinster House to make decisions about aircraft that are travelling at 500 miles per hour, you know, on the ground. You know, and it, it takes minutes or even seconds in some cases to traverse a piece of, of airspace. We have to be able to do that ourselves. We shouldn't be relying on the British taxpayer okay. to do that. Paul, so a properly funded, properly paid defence forces know, is a, what we need. A squadron up there patrolling routinely the skies, not the emergency situations that uh, call upon us to call upon the RAF from time to time. Uh, Paul, uh, uh, we'd like to see this kind of standard thing. They'd be up there doing nothing most of the time, just floating around, having a good look. And when we have more than 12,000 people homeless, more than three and a half thousand children homeless, is this really what we be sh- should be spending money on? I mean, it's this che- is the equivalent of 4,000 yeah, homes it's, that it's were che- just it's cheaper. 12 flights. It's, it's you know? cheaper. You know, lev- that level of ambition in the terms of expenditure would be cheaper than Ireland joining NATO. And no, I d- but, but, and I but don't see, that's I d- where you're wrong, Tom, right? That's where you fundamentally, I think, are being naive. That you think that we can just go along and have more military and be more independent. But most of those people, I agree, that's what you want. Well, it's a bare, most a bare those, minimum but, is what I want. But most of those people who are pushing for that, they also want, actually want us to be in NATO. And for them, this is about, like, if you read the report, it's all about interoperability with NATO. It's about increasing the level yeah, of defence spending but, to a but, point where we could Paul, actually apply Paul, to join that, NATO. That's, and that's their end game. Yeah, but, and you're going to facilitate them no, 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 if, no, if you're going to say, we shouldn't join NATO, we shouldn't yeah, join NATO, but, but, but we should Paul, increase our military Paul, that, spending. That, that's not an intellectual position. That's an a priori position. What you're saying is that by virtue of the fact that I support us being able to defend ourselves, that somehow that uh, puts me in the same group no, uh, I'm not. Uh, you know, that wants but us I, to join NATO. And no, it's no, not naivety. I'm aware of that. Of course I am. But but then but, do you not see the, yeah. how you're assisting them no, in that no. sense? Like. Ha- having our skies patrolled by the RAF assists them. So we should stop that. I agree. We yeah, should, yeah, but, we when we're, our... but, but when we're depending on powerful neighbours for defence and security, that puts us in a weaker and more vulnerable position than being able to do it ourselves. We just need to be mature and like the Austrians, like the Swiss, and, you know, we should expand our reserves and be because what's happened in Ukraine shows us that the people who are fighting in and around Bakhmut, the young men and the young women, there are 47,000 young women fighting in Ukraine, uh, you know, women the same age as my daughter. And I think of them every day. And I and I also think of the of the Russian conscripts that have been pushed into this meat grinder. But they're they weren't soldiers last year. They they're normal citizens who are mobilised in a ter- in a time of conflict. And that's the model that we have to have here. We don't need to join NATO. We don't need to be part of a military alliance, but we have to be able to do the basic heavy lifting ourselves. Well, I mean, I, I agree with the thrust of that, you know, but, but I just think it, it's not looking at the real politic of where this is going, that we have a political establishment that is quite united in trying to get us closer to NATO. And the attempt to increase military spending is a part of that. It isn't a separate thing. Um, and it's happening in the context of we have this massive housing crisis, we have this massive, massive health crisis. And to make the choice to invest in military in terms of fighter jets, warships, etc. is not a good choice to make. I'm all for let's not have our defence forces living in poverty. Let's not have them homeless. Uh, let's have the emergency services, humanitarian intervention, bomb disposal, radar, all sort those sort of things. Yes. 
but let's not try to compete on a world stage with countries that we can't possibly by handing a bunch of money over I to know, but, but the dealers of that instruction. And you made the point about climate change. I mean, every ton of carbon that we use for the military is a ton of carbon that we're not using in terms of a just transition. And we just, we have a limited budget yeah, left. Yeah, We've and, about eight years in, left. In, in, the, in, the, in the community of defence intellectuals, the whole question of carbon replacement and climate change is is a central issue. The, the United States military is hoping to move to a zero carbon. But it's currently one of the it's biggest polluters in the whole world. Well, 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 <laughs> so, so is Reiner. And so, yes. you know, but, I mean, when that's people not are blowing up homes and, uh, you know, if, if taking forests out of it, which would sequester carbon, burning the, you know, I think that... War is not a, compatible with, joke, like, yeah. Yeah, you can't yeah. greenwash war, like. Yeah, yeah, but but the US military isn't an NGO or some sort of a liberal yeah. experiment. It's, they're, they're the people oh. who, as, as Paul was saying, spend... Yeah. Much more agreement than I had suspected at the beginning yeah, but, of this. Last words. The big challenge here, in the next 20 years, we have to get on the book and bronco that is public order, security and and stability in on this island. And there are one million people who are very, very frightened about what's going to happen next. We have to have a defence forces or an armed forces and a police force, whatever it's going to be called in 20 years time, that is acceptable okay. to everybody in the community. And that is one that has to be properly resourced. Right. You are properly more concerned about the enemy within than the enemy without. Well, Last it's the future and being just, functional. Just where, where, where we agree is that to, to ring the alarm bell for people, that what is happening is happening quite fast from the establishment. These consultative forums appear to be part of trying to manufacture consent. Um, in addition to the points Tom made, I'd make the point that the, the government-selected chairperson is wasn't elected anywhere, is a dame of the British Empire, is on record repeatedly as supporting the aims of US militarism, the invasion of Afghanistan, coups in Latin America, etc. This is It's quite worrying what's taking place and it's happening without proper public debate. Paul Murphy, People Before Profit TD for Dublin South West and Dr. Tom Clonan, Security Analyst and Senator. Uh, thank you both very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.